0: Hey church, how you doing? Come on, are you excited about Jesus today? Come on, I don't know about you, but I'm telling you right now, if I wasn't saved, guess what I would do? I would get saved, that's right. That's what I would do because it's quite a deal. Jesus gets all our stuff and we get him. I think that's a pretty good deal. How many of y'all are with me right now? Come on, are you with me on that one? I'm really excited about that and I'm really excited to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, listen. If I haven't had the opportunity to introduce myself, my name is Rick Paladin. I'm the lead pastor here at Bridge City Church, and uh, I updated you just a little bit about Pastor John. And trust me, he wants to be with you, but he's in a really good place right now. He's he's safe. He's he's doing well. I'm telling you, from where he was seven days ago till today, I'm telling you, it's a miracle from heaven. Even the doctors can't like can't believe it. Come on, I think we should be thankful about that. I, that's really exciting. And, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna move the ball forward the best way we know how and uh, I'm so excited to bring to you uh, part eight I can't believe it's um, we've been walking through the book of Nehemiah which is a book in the Old Testament and we've been going with this title of what we build is spiritual and what we're building here at Bridge City Church is spiritual how many of y'all believe that right now? This isn't just a technical thing. This isn't just an organizational thing. This is a spiritual thing that we're about. And so we've been looking at all the different things. And if you've missed some of these messages, I urge you to go to our website. I urge you to get on there and and listen to them. It's been a great, great time looking through the book of Nehemiah. If you have your Bibles, you go to Nehemiah chapter 13. We're going to make our way through the whole chapter, all 31 verses of Nehemiah 13. Somebody say, help them, Lord. Yeah. Now you can say, help me, Lord. Come on. Help me, Lord. Yeah. Come on. How many of y'all got a little nervous there? Come on. Your faith almost went out the door, but we're going to do it. We're going to get through it all. How many of you have ever had a hard time keeping a commitment? Just recently, I realized um, I started uh, a a regime, exercise regime, um, you know, on. I've been getting up and doing this certain thing. And I realized something, that since October, this is the fourth time I started it. Do you all see the problem there? How many of you all can relate to that? Come on. Yeah, it's the fourth time. So I started it like two weeks ago. I said, okay, the kid's back. I got this. And I jumped back in, and it was like, I'm, this is the fourth time. And we all have difficulty sometimes keeping our commitments. And what we're going to see today, that even in the Old Testament, God's people at times had a difficulty keeping their commitments. And they had difficulty when they said they were going to do something. It didn't always pan out the way they thought. They kind of fell away, and they kind of, they kind of slipped up. Can you relate to that? But we sang a song that he's a God of second chances. Doesn't that excite you? And I hope it does. And listen, I want you to go and invite everybody you know to come here next week. How many of y'all are going to invite somebody that you know to come next week at 8, 30, and 10? I, um, I was praying for somebody this last week that I could invite. I brought an invitation that you have. It was on the front seat of my car. I was playing tennis with them. I Playing tennis, I forgot it in the car. And so I was like, oh God, I, mean, I can still invite them. I can still do it verbally. But when we got towards the end, he said, Can I have a ride home? I says, Absolutely yes. As long as home is in Western Pennsylvania, we're good. He said, Yeah, it's not far from here. He goes, So he got to my car, he opened the door, and there it was sitting right on the seat. And he says, What's that? And I said, That's for you. And we had a great talk about, about church and about coming, and I've been talking to him about Jesus, but that was my one. Now I gotta go out and get another couple. Are y'all with me? So I'm gonna lead the way. Would you join with me in inviting people? Come on. Amen. Okay, back to Nehemiah here, 13. I don't know if you know this or not, but Nehemiah is one of the last books actually chronologically in the Old Testament. Many, even though it's, it's, it, the Old Testament's not chronological. It actually was written in the 400 BC era, and it was written then. So many times, like you think things are in order, but they're not. And, and, and there was this great move of God that God was doing. He was helping them restore temple worship, God was using, uh, using Nehemiah and many others. To reestablish God's principles in what He does. So in last week we saw that they committed to purity, they committed to joy, and they committed to generous giving. And then, and that was in chapter 12. And so they were reading the law. So Nehemiah 13:3, Nehemiah 13:3, when this passage of the law was read, all those of foreign descent were immediately excluded from the assembly. Now, God said anybody, the Ammonites and the Moabites, who basically, all the ites, they were not Israelites. They were not God's people. So God said you need to exclude them from the temple because they worship a different God. They worship, they they had different standards. They had a different culture. Now, I'm just reading to you here. Now, many of us, when we hear about standards that God has, immediately we do things like, well, that's old-fashioned. That's so yesterday, that's so 600 BCs. You know, we're in 400 BC. You know, I mean that's so. Oh, that's so. Like that, things are different now. We don't exclude now, but in this era and in this time, there was an exclusion to keep the Ammonites and Moabites out. That's what the, that's what the word was because they have a different. They had an idolatrous. Uh, culture, God. God was warning them against something. Listen to me. God was warning them, don't try to mesh all the religions together. See, many times we read something 400 B.C., you know, 2,500 years ago, and we think it's just then. How many of y'all know we're facing the same thing now? Anybody with me? No, I'm serious. They're trying to mesh all the religions to to be one. And they're trying to say, it's all just one. And God was warning them, don't do that. And I can't wait till after Easter. We're going to be doing a whole series on the way, the truth, and the life. That's Jesus. And we're going to be talking about the way, the truth, and the life. We're all about the life of Jesus. You don't want to miss that right, right after Easter. And Pastor John's going to do a great job with that. Okay, but, but, but soon after they, they, they removed everybody, something happened here. Something happened. So look at verse 4. Look at verse 4 in, in, in Nehemiah 13. Before this had happened, Elishabeb, the priest, who had been appointed as supervisor of the storerooms of the temple of our God and who was also a relative of Tobiah. Now, pause. Don't you love pause on your TV? You can run for a drink, get the phone, you can do things, right? Pause. I can pause right now. Tobiah... Was an Ammonite. He was not one of the Israelites. He was outside the the kingdom of God. Tobiah did nothing but cause trouble all through chapters 4, 5, 6. He was against God's people. He made up stories about God's people. He did everything possible to stop the work and destroy the work of God. Okay? Hit play. He had converted a large storage room and placed it at Tobiah's disposal. The room had previously been used for storing the grain offerings, frankincense, and various articles for the temple, the tithes of the new grain, new wine, and olive oil, as well as the offerings for the priest. So what we see here is the temple, it was supposed to be holy. And what happened, they let Tobiah, because he was a family member, it won't matter. Tobiah, you can come in. You can utilize some room in the temple. It's no big deal. It's just, it's just the temple. It's just God's thing. And so Tobiah came in, and this is, this is what they found. Now listen, this is why I'm just going to point out something here. Several times over the last two weeks, different people from the church have come to me with prophetic words, something they believe God is saying. It's amazing how they have all lined up. And, it's that and we prayed about it this morning. We've prayed that there's a, been a breach in the wall. There's been some things allowed to come in. And the standard has has changed. I'm doing, I'm doing my message. I'm working away the other day and I'm working on it. And somebody calls me and says, I believe God has something to say to you. Don't stop working on the wall. Just because of all the chaos that's happening, don't stop. Don't abandon the plan. We're not going to abandon the plan. But see, here in this moment, what happened was is they allowed him to come in. They allowed him, to to have a place in the temple. Now, I'm going to cover four points today. In Nehemiah, what we're going to do is I'm going to pick it up in the next verses and show you what Nehemiah did because he was a great leader. And so there were four reforms that he did. How many of you know if you need reformed, you lost your original form. So he brought reforms, and he brought four of them. One was a temple reform, the next was financial priorities and relationships. And this is what I want to communicate with you today. I want to show you how easy it is to fall away from the commitment that we can sometimes make. Because in chapter 12, chapter 10, chapter 11, they're all in. Hey, we're in. Whatever you say we're going to do, we commit. And they're like all in. Well, this, this is where we pick it up. Nehemiah was away somewhere between 10 to 12 years. He went back to Babylon, and now he comes back. So in 10 to 12 years, we're going to take a picture of what happened with God's people in this moment here. So this is what happened in this moment here. In verse 6, this is Nehemiah here. I was not in Jerusalem at that time, for I had returned to to King Artaxerxes of Babylon in the 32nd year of his reign, though I asked his permission to return. When I arrived back in Jerusalem, I learned about Elishabab's evil deed in providing Tobiah with a room in the courtyards of the temple of God. Check this out, verse 8, it gets even better. I became very upset. That means he was exceedingly broken. That doesn't mean angry. That means he was broken that caused him to act. Something was not right. He was broken here. And so I threw all of Tobiah's belongings out of the room. Guess what the word "through" means? He, he done throw them out. I mean, he like went in and he picked them up and he like opened the door and he like threw them out. I mean, like out, like it's out of here. I mean, like, nope. this isn't going to stay this way. So he threw them out, and then I demanded that the rooms be purified, and I brought back the articles of God, and I I reestablished it. Listen, if we are not careful, we're going to allow standards of the world to come into our church and into our lives, and we're not even going to realize it's a slow process. But if you stay in the wrong place at the wrong time long enough, you're going to pick up the wrong thing. Come on, I'm a dad... A five, they're, they're all older now. I used to say that nothing good happens after midnight. How many of you parents ever said that? I'm older now. Nothing good happens after nine o'clock. Come on, somebody. Anybody with me now? Come on. I'm older. I'm just like nine o'clock. That's it, man. Nothing good happens after nine. Somebody give me an amen. Come on, somebody. Come on. And so Nehemiah done, he throwed all their stuff out. And he says, he goes, okay, this isn't going to happen. And he did, he did, he he, he got him to act impure. He said, see, Nehemiah didn't confuse. Listen, he didn't confuse love with being nice. See, many of us love Jesus holding the lammy, Jesus. You know when he holds the lammy, he's so here's the lamies, he's carrying the lamies. Jesus is love, and I get all that. But isn't it interesting? All four gospels record Jesus overturning the money changer's table when they turned his house into something other than what it was intended to be. Isn't that interesting? Four, all four Gospels record that. There's miracles that not all four Gospels record, but they recorded that. Isn't that something? See, we confuse in our culture right now. Listen, we, 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 we want to be so inclusive, and, and sometimes we need to realize that God's exclusive. But let me make it really clear. It's not because of race it was because of a different religion. He never put, he never did anything wrong to them. He just said they just don't have a place in with God's people worshiping God because they have a different God. But we don't like this in our day and age. We don't like this thought because we wanna be all inclusive. Now, again, people from a different religion that don't know Jesus Christ we should should try to reach them for Jesus. Am I right? We should be an example of what it means to have standards. But if we're, see, true love upholds the standard. True love in a church of God's people helps one another with the standard. They help one another uphold the standard. They're encouraging one another. But the standard is the standard. It calls us to action here. See, purity became an event rather than a lifestyle. How many of you clean your house? For those listening at home, about half the people here. I wish I could take a picture. Don't go to the the, the other half, I'm not sure. How many of you clean your house ever? How many of you know cleaning your house, it works better when it's a lifestyle and not an event? I I am a fanatic about cleaning my car. I just believe in a clean car, and it's a lifestyle, not not every spring event. And I think some of us treat purity like an event. We make a decision and we think we're okay, rather than purity is a lifestyle that we live. I think God's calling us back to a lifestyle, and not just events. Are you with me now? in purity whether physically ceremonially you know spiritually morally how many of y'all know we need to return to excellence in these areas how many of you know these are a big deal to god number 2 financial reforms verse 10 i also discovered that the levites had been not been given their prescribed portions of food, so they and the singers who were to conduct the worship services had all returned to work in the fields. See, they were giving, the Levites, those who did ministry, they had money when they were giving, but they stopped giving financially, so they had to go back into the fields, and the things of God were not being taken care of. That's what happened. So what did Nehemiah do in verse 11? I immediately confronted the leaders and demanded, why has the temple of God been Neglected. Everybody say neglected. neglected. Then I called all the Levites back again and restored them to their proper duties. You could look at Malachi chapter three. Malachi and Nehemiah worked together in this time, and they worked together. So that would give you a picture of what was communicated here. See, the temple was being neglected. Now, I just I listen. First of all, I just want to say last week. I know Pastor John asked you, if, if, with your stimulus money, to be generous and to give. And many of you did that. And I just want to thank you for being so generous. I really do. I want to thank you. Many people probably took their first step with God and gave. And I just want to thank you. Thank you for taking that step of faith. I appreciate it. But, but, but now the next step of faith is, is can I trust God and just, just develop consistency in my giving? See, one of the things we're going to do this year, we're going to continue to be generous givers. Is anybody with me? The more a generous God lives inside of me, the more I become generous. It's not an obligation or a duty. It's a joy. It's a joy to give. And it's just, such, it's just so much fun to give. But the problem was is when we don't, the, the, the ministers of God, they go without. And I'm just going to be really honest. And Pastor Johnson here, I'm going to talk about our campus pastors for a moment and a lot of people on staff here. I'd love to pay them more. I'm just being honest. I'm not, I'm not guilting you. I'm just, can I be on? Can your pastor be honest? I'd love to pay him more. They're, they're, they're all underpaid. When you get involved in the ministry, you realize that typically ministry goes with, you know, you're gonna trust God. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. And I'm, not, I'm all for it. We all should be trusting God. But I'd love to pay him more. And everybody says to me, well, why don't, you, why don't you just give him more money? I don't know if you know this or not. I'm not the government. I can't print money. That was a joke. I mean, he's like, really? I can't. We're dependent on people being generous. We're dependent on people. Generosity. And I want to thank you for your generosity. Listen, this isn't a guilt trip. I just want, I'm trying to show you in the word of God what happens when people aren't able, when, when, they, when giving becomes something they used to do rather than something they're growing in. Are you with me? You still love your pastor? So once more, verse 12, all the people of Judah began bringing their tithes of grain, wine, olive oil to the temple storerooms. And he assigned a whole bunch of people to take care of it. He says, I'm going to assign you to take care of this. They committed that they were going to go back to giving. So the first thing we need to realize, we need to be careful of the standards of God in his house because that commitment will wane, right? Right? Second of all, we can be we need to be careful with finances because even in giving, it can be something we used to do rather than something we are doing. Or it can be something what we do is say our church raised all this money for missions, and although we don't eat we don't give anything, we just say our church did that rather than we did that. I'm so glad to be a part of a church that we did that. Is that good? We good? Let's go to the next one, priority reforms. Verse 15, in those days I saw men of Judah treading out their wine presses on the Sabbath, and they were also bringing in grain, loading it on donkeys, and bringing their wine, grapes, figs, and all sorts of produce to Jerusalem to sell on the, everybody say Sabbath, Sabbath. So I rebuked them for selling their produce on that day. Some men of Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise. They were selling it on the Sabbath to the people of Judah and in Jerusalem at that time. Verse 17. So what did Nehemiah do? I confronted the nobles of Judah. You're profaning the Sabbath. The root, the root problem of this situation is they did not have their priorities in order. Now, how many of y'all making money is really good? Buying and selling goods is a good thing. But how many of y'all know that even in the Ten Commandments, there was a commandment that, that you gotta keep the Sabbath holy? I mean, even God took a rest. Do you realize that? And, and people who refuse to take a rest believe that they're better than God. See, you know one of the things we need to do? We need to manage our priorities and our time will take care of itself. Many people are trying to manage their time rather than their priorities. And when we manage our priorities, I have a priority that I'm gonna take care of and it's gonna be called trusting God. Anybody with me? See, that was the problem. They weren't trusting God, so they were going to try to do work on the Sabbath day. Now, how many of y'all remember? I'm going old school here. How many of y'all remember when stores were closed on Sundays? Look around the room. Man, y'all are old, like me, like me. Now, how many of y'all remember? You couldn't even get gasoline on Sundays. You couldn't even go to Sheets and get a, get, get a, get a stale sandwich. No, I'm serious. Like, everything was closed. And everybody says, well, that's so yesterday. We don't do that anymore. How many of you all know we, we, we could use a rest, a real rest? No, see, I'm serious. See, like, our priorities are out of whack because, because we're addicted to even our phones. We can't go out without our phones for a couple minutes. Come on, how many of you, you lose your phone, you have major anxiety? Right? And if it stops working, you have, it's worse because you actually have it and it doesn't work. No, I'm serious. And so, so but, but the problem was is they had all their priorities out of order. And, and we don't have the obligation to ceremonially keep the Sabbath. But the Sabbath was created for us principally. It's still a principle in the Bible that we need to rest, which reminds us that we're trusting God, not in our own hands to produce. See, this. I'm trying to help you. We make a commitment to God, but pretty soon work comes in. Pretty soon soccer comes in for the kids. Pretty soon an extra job comes in. Pretty soon activities for the kids come in. And we, we totally blow off God because we have all these other things going on. And we wonder what happened to our commitment to serving God. We wonder why we're losing a generation of kids when we have modeled for them that everything else is important except for God. See, see, we got to keep our priorities the priorities. We're going to honor God. And, and the, the problem was they were allowing all these outside influences to dictate to them what they were going to do. And at some point, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you got to say no to the world. I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to order my life according to my priorities. And that's what I'm going to do. And they weren't doing that. That was the problem. In Mark two twenty-seven, Jesus says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So do we, do we still observe the Sabbath? Listen, you better observe some type of real rest and trust in God. Or you're going to burn out. You can't keep going like that. That's what the Sabbath is for. So, so this is what he did, verse 21. So Nehemiah, I spoke sharply to them. He says, what are you doing out here? Camping around the wall. If you do this again, I'm gonna arrest you. And listen, when Nehemiah spoke, that was the last time they showed up. That's what it says. They, 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 well, I'm out. And Nehemiah says it, it's gonna happen. Are you with me? Okay, let's look at the next one. First of all, we had temple reforms, Right? Then what was the next one after temple? Financial. What was after financial? Priority. Now we're going to look at relationship reforms. This is a good one. About the same time, I realized that some of the men of Judah had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Furthermore, half their children spoke the language of Ashdod or some of the other people and could not speak the language of Judah. The language of Judah was the language that God's people spoke, and they were speaking other languages, and they stopped speaking the common language. See, so what's the big idea? What's the big deal here? Is it really, really important? Yeah, language is important but they were marrying outside of God's people here. Remember, they were, see, if you look back in Nehemiah 10, write this down, verses 30, 31, 32, they committed that they were never gonna do these things. And 10 to 12 years later, they, all these things crept in. Be careful of the things you say that you'll never do. Be careful of the things you say, that will never be me. Be careful. You're not six decisions away from screwing up. You're only one. Do you realize that? I used to think I'm about five to seven decisions away from really screwing up my life. And then I realized, no, I'm only one. Because one decision goes to one decision goes to one decision and pretty soon I'm all messed up. So look what he does, it gets good. My favorite verse in all of Nehemiah, my favorite verse, verse 25, here it is. So I confronted them and called down curses on them. Gets better. I beat some of them and pulled out their hair. I made them swear in the name of God that they would not let their children intermarry with the pagan people of the land. (laughs) He was pulling their beards. There were some guys, you know, all the guys with big beards and stuff, I was saying, I need you this Sunday for an illustration. They were all like, that's why many are wearing masks or they shaved one or the other. But this is what this is out of all the reforms, he takes this one the most serious. He says, listen, out of all the reforms, marrying outside of God's people is a big deal. Pastor, that's so yesteryear. No, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the apostle Paul said the same thing, verses 14 through 16. No, I'm just see. See, we just allow like these things to creep into our life and then we wonder where how we got to where we are. In and, and these relationship reforms, we're like, like out of all the sins he said, this is serious, literally he's pulling beards and slapping faces and he makes them swear out loud, you're not gonna let this happen anymore. Now, if we would do this in today's day and age, you would be like, You'd be taking pictures, you'd be over Facebook, you'd you'd be be posting this church is crazy. No, I'm not suggesting we do this. But I am suggesting that we've allowed the standards of God to lower. And with each passing year, in the United States of America, it continues. In the United States of America, we are number one. And I love this country. Listen, I've been to many others. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna live anywhere else. Anybody with me? Even with all its warts. But being number one in divorce, being number one in crime, being number one in pornography, being number one in all these areas, being number one isn't all it's cracked up to be. Because I believe that we're number one in those areas because the church isn't doing something about it. I believe that if we as God's people would raise the standard and we would hold to a standard and we would police ourselves and govern ourselves and we would do it properly, that I believe God would be honored once again. And so what I'm asking for today in this relationship reform, and, and this is what Nehemiah said, he says, you, 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 can't, you can't be intermarrying like this. You've got to make a stand. Are you with me? So I guess we, we have to ask ourselves, where has the standard lowered in our lives? No, where's the standard lowered in your life? That's a good question. You say, well, I'm I'm still a giver. I'm not in a bad relationship. Praise God, thank you. Is there ways that the world is dictating to you how you should think? Is there ways that the world's dictating to you what you should do and how you should do it? See, when we make a commitment here, we got to go back to making a commitment as a church and as a people. And this is our last message on Nehemiah. And this is it. This is is, is the the grand finale here. God's people are great. They hold on. And typically one generation knows and experiences God. And then the next generation hears about God. And the next generation, God is completely absent. We really need a move of God in our country. Hollywood doesn't need a move of God. Jesus' people need a move of God. Are you with me? See, we got to stop pointing the finger and say, God, how how have I lowered the standard? What were they committed to in Nehemiah? Are we going to commit to a lifestyle of honoring God? I want to honor God. We're gonna commit to a lifestyle that the word of God is esteemed and honored. And are we gonna commit to a lifestyle where lives are transformed? Is that what we're committing to? Is that what you're willing to commit to? The last verse I'm gonna read here in Nehemiah 13, 31, the last verse, three times in this chapter, Nehemiah says, remember me, O God. Remember me. Remember this, my favor, oh my God. May we be be remembered by what we did in service unto God. Are you with me? Would you stand to your feet with me right now? How many of you heard something that was helpful to you today? Did anybody hear anything that was helpful to you today? Come on, did you hear something that was helpful to you today? Come on, I believe that. I believe God spoke to many people here today. I wanna commit, and just right now in this moment, how many of you are just really just right now where you are, you're saying, you know what? I need to commit to a lifestyle of honoring God. I wanna to commit to a lifestyle where God's word is revered and esteemed. I wanna to commit to a lifestyle where lives can be transformed. Just right now, just right where you are, if, you're, if that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand right pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every hand that's up right now. Lord God, pray for every hand that's up right now, God. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray, Father, that you would grant every hand up the grace to live, the grace, the grace and empowerment from heaven to live a lifestyle that would be pleasing to you, Father. God, I thank you for that. I pray, God, for an empowerment that can only come from you. And I pray that as Bridge City Church, as these hands are up, would be a place where God is honored. Lord God, would you you preserve us even from ourselves? Would we be a generation, God, that you could trust and find favor in us, oh God? Would you remember us, God, for what we've done for you through the grace of God? in the mercy of God. You can just put your hands down. I just wanna stop in this moment and I wanna ask you a really, really cool question. I wanna ask you, do you you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? No, do you have a relationship? I didn't say that you have a religion. I didn't say that you believe in God because even in the Bible it states that many, even demons believe in God and they shudder. But I'm asking you a question. Do you have a relationship with God the Father that you can have only through the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you? You know, Easter's kind of a big deal. And what we celebrate is, is that there's no other way to heaven and no other way to God except through what Jesus Christ has done for us. How many of y'all know that's a big deal? Come on. And the best thing I have to offer you is not a church membership, but a Jesus membership. The church membership comes later because after you get to be a Jesus member, then you get to participate in Jesus' church. It even gets better. And then you can sing the song. It keeps getting better and better and better. Like my wife and I, have been, we've been married a lot of years over 30 years but it keeps getting better as a matter of fact our our wedding day was the worst day of our life because it just kept getting better from there some of you thought oh it's going to be a long ride home no 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 listen to me see being a follower of Jesus Christ that's the beginning not the end and it keeps getting better, and the relationship gets better, and the relationship gets better. So I wanna offer you a relationship with Jesus Christ through what he did for you on the cross where you say, Jesus Christ, be the forgiver of my past, and then Jesus, lead me into my future. And if you don't have a day, a moment, or a time that that happened, it probably didn't happen. And I wanna offer you today for that to happen, for you can go from death to life spiritually. Isn't that cool? So right now in this moment, I believe there's a lot of people in this room like, you're not sure you did it or not. And I'm saying, you're not going to come up front here and talk in the microphone. That's not what this is. This is about you and Jesus right now. But it's not meant to be a private thing. It's meant to be a personal thing. And if you'd like Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of your past and the leader to your future, right now in this moment, right now, here. I just want you to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Come on, just raise it up there. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Raise it up. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just say today. I want to make sure that today's my day. Anybody here, you don't have a day, a moment, or a time, just slip it up. Raise it up real high right now. That's it, real high. Anybody else want to jump in on this deal? Because it's a really, really, really good deal. Come on. So all together, we're gonna pray this prayer together with those who have their hands up. Let's all say, Father God, forgive me, for I have sinned. I've screwed up, messed up, and missed the mark. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sin. I ask you, Jesus, to lead me into my future and be in charge. I surrender to you jesus let's give jesus a great big hand come on god we thank you father god we honor you we love you we thank you jesus wow and so if you if that was you today you got a connection card and we just want to pray for you and somebody may come up to you and just say hey can we pray together they're just going to pray for you they just want to seal the deal And and I'm just so thankful to be your pastor, so thankful that you're here today. Could you just be seated for a few more minutes as as Royan comes up and, and closes us up today. Thanks so much.